This is the Green Strength Podcast with Lucius Tyree IV, where the mission is building strength, enhancing performance, and uplifting consciousness. So tune in with the mind, body, and spirit, and let's get moving. That I grew up in at that time, like, dude, there was a lot of people that were juiced up, but they were just like un- unfortunate, athletic people. Like, that wasn't them. It's like they wanted this, and so they're exhausting all measure, and it's still like, okay, well, you're never going to bench 400 and something pounds. Like, you're not the gorillas over there that you want to be. You can run with them, and you can live like them and stuff, but it's just somebody who hasn't figured out, I guess, them. Yeah. But now, I don't think they talked about it in Chapter 1, but and I can't remember all the stories, so I'll probably mess it up, but there was a guy that – Poliquin trained um, an NFL player and he came back after, I believe it was after a knee surgery and Poliquin started training him and the dude got jacked. Like, and I think some extracurricular activities were definitely involved. I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to look back and read into that stuff. And I think he ended up maybe getting popped or something, but and his athleticism never was the same. And so a lot of people blame Poliquin on that and like go after Poliquin on that. Um, but I kind of think it's funny. It's like here's probably a professional athlete that asked him to, you know, do these things. And yeah, then everybody sits, you know, armchair experts sit back and say, well, he, he messed him up. He did, you know, did this and that. But he took a physical specimen in a short amount of time and showed you what he is capable of artistically doing with somebody. And it was freakish, dude. (laughs) The guy was a freak. There's kind of one point I just want to make a little bit. And I think it's like, let's be clear that a lot of people listen, listening to this are, you have kind of two choices. You have the choice of actually training and choosing to follow scientific principles and test, retest, measure yourself. I mean, it takes, it takes work, but that, that's what this is. That's what we're talking about, optimal sets and reps and how to build and structure a program and, and periodize over time. We're talking about somebody who is, is very interested in following down that road, and that's somebody who was also extracurricular activities sometimes take a back seat. They slow down, like you're doing this for this. Like this has a sole purpose, a sole goal. If you are an exercise, somebody just trying to be healthy, be strong, look good, develop good lean muscle, do you need the severity of this? I mean, no. You need, but you need intention and you need consistency. And you need to be aware that there, you might not always be able to follow a periodized program that you see like some of these that are presented. Um, and there are reasons to that. It's because you choose to be an exercise. Um, that sounds bad. Like It's like, a, it's like I'm de-lit- like belittling somebody, you know? Like, but you choose to be um, somebody who's interested in, in a vast variety of things. And then those things are going to, like sometimes maybe your flag football or playing at the lake is making Monday and Tuesdays workout and you just auto adjust towards life of being an active, healthy human being. Um, your training then is very much the same. We always want to kind of 
to move forward, step back one little second so that we can move farther forward and kind of keep doing that little juggling game. Um, but as an everyday weekend warrior or exercise person, I keep saying is you're going to, uh, you m- there's no timetable on that. Like it might be two, three, four times that it's a lighter load than normal. And then it's the fifth time that you make that PR on a dumbbell bench press for eight reps, you know, whereas when you start reading a lot of strength conditioning journals and science and like, um, you know, the Poliquin principles book, as we're talking about in chapter one here, um, you're going to see a lot of like very set things, like things that might be like, okay, we're going to go a little bit heavier the next workout, workout two, we're going to go even a little bit heavier, workout three, we're going to, you know, scale back a little bit so that we can go and maybe break a PR and workout four. And I'm just making something up, but that kind of timetable might change when your life is built around being active and, and healthy and in all aspects. Um, but when you're looking at intentionally building a quality or intentionally training and uh, for a goal and an outcome, then really looking into what we're going to talk about in chapter one, um, which is it's, it's chapter one of Poliquin principles book. It's one of my first books that, uh, that I ever read. And one of the books that I still recommend to everybody today because it's very scientific, but it's also very easy to read. I mean, we're going to go through this chapter and you're going to be able to see common sense, but I say common sense when you read it, it's kind of like, okay, this, there's optimal, there's a little bit above, there's a little bit below. We'll see how this stuff flows together. Okay. Um, everybody is different. We talk about everybody being an individual, so everybody's makeup is different. And even within our individual selves, our, our bodies and certain muscle muscles are different in fiber makeup. So they, they take different protocols, different stimulus where they, where they thrive the best. So, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there because I know there's a lot of people that exercise. And you know how we teach our, our classes. A lot of times it's, uh, you know, 8 to 10. Yes, I'm, I'm t- saying eight to 10 reps, three sets, of eight to 10, the generic old school recommended thing. But it's about somebody figuring out what is the most amount of weight that they can lift in the best quality execution in eight to 10 reps. If you can get more than 10, then you can go heavier. If you're getting less than eight, then you need to lower it down. And that's, they talk about that in chapter one. We'll go through that. But that is, that's that kind of common sense approach that's like, what can I do today? I, this is what's asked of me. My load is dictated based on you know, where I can perform in that. Right. I think that's an excellent way to kind of start out that everybody's different. Everybody's yeah. goals are a little bit different. You know, and, and what we're talking about here, the Poliquin Principles is the name of the book. Yeah. And uh, this was written back in like 97 I, I was trying to look at that. This. Yeah. And we'll get into who that is in just a moment because this sort of spurred off of discussions of why a certain number of reps, why a certain number of sets, like where does that come from? Um, and this gets into a little bit of the science. And, and this book is written really geared towards the bodybuilding community mm-hmm. is really kind of what he was authoring it for. But this contains information that's applicable to all different types of goals, right? It just, 
it's in the framework and the lens of bodybuilding. Yeah. And, but that's not necessarily what that you get so much out of this. I'm, I'm learning it. This ton is by merged this. into just great education of resistance training. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody is thinking about, but like re resistance training is above a rope. I mean, it is above everything when it's, when we're talking about longevity over time, I mean, we're, when we're talking about it, there's one thing that somebody could really do, an everyday average person, to change the, uh, you know, to lose body fat, change the fat, the composition of their body. It would not be aerobics. It would be resistance training. And, um, you know, I, I think we need to realize that resistance training can be body weight training. It can be very um, therapeutic, even resistance training. It doesn't have to be what... You, you might think is just like throwing weights around and doing all this crazy stuff and, and t getting tight. Um, cause I think resistance training, people think tight bound up, um, joints don't work as well. And that's just improper. So, yeah. So before we get too far into this, tell me a little bit about Charles Poliquin because I've, I've, you've mentioned his name on the podcast a few times that we haven't had a chance yeah. to talk about who he is and, and why he's such an influential figure in your history in, the strength game. He caught my attention with just how real and brass he was. I, I really liked that a, a coach was not scared to debate anybody, um, say anything he wanted. He was very opinionated, but he was somebody, and I, I know a lot of people have opinions on him, and I, I had an opinion on him before I spent time around him. And um, that completely changed. I was blown away when I spent time around him because I saw somebody, whether all of his opinions and theories were right or wrong, somebody could recite and go back and have a conversation on the spot, pretty much any damn strength conditioning textbook, you know. And there's another soul exactly like this in a weird way, and these guys are kind of linked together, and they are my two most influential coaches, Paul Check and Charles Poliquin, but they both have that quality of being able to like, it doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. It's like the ability to like, okay, you have dove into this stuff. Like it is in your brain for years and years. Like this is real knowledge of uh, research and application and passion. Um, my first course I did with Charles Poliquin was a biosignature modulation um, in short, they had years and years and years of high-level athletes, um, blood and urine analysis, and they started to find that, um, that where they held body fat in relation to cer other certain areas was indicative to their hormonal profile. And so he developed a system in which was a 12-site skin fold, and they had a, an algorithm, a mathematical equation that it was definitely their moneymaker. But, I mean, that thing it kind of started to show you the, the different balance of the body and where somebody was going through hormonally. The cool education point behind that was then how do you develop a resistance training program? Basically, how do you develop somebody's lifestyle around what they need in order to improve the balance of these hormones? Okay, so let's take somebody whose uh, their androgen levels is a little bit lower their cortisol levels are high, um, they're stressed to the gills, and they run like crazy, right? They do a tons of cardio, and they're just that person. You could easily back off of all that aerobic work and start to address 
macronutrient and, um, you know, like vitamin and mineral deficiencies. And then you can look at like, what would be the optimal strength training, resistance training plan to start to raise testosterone, develop more lean muscle mass, right? Everything that we do, even the prescription of exercise, the prescription of nutrition and the prescription of, um, the, the yang that we always talk about the recovery, the, the life aspect is indicative to, you know, this person. And so it was the first thing that I was really able to see somebody start to, because spot reduction is one of those things that, that is, is a myth. You know, you can't just go do a bunch of sit-ups and in your, your abs or your, you're going to lose uh, body fat right on your, your belly. But if we can change the hormonal profile of a body, then those regions that are affected can start to reduce, right? So spot reduction became this like actual artistic thing of just trying to get somebody healthy. And I thought that was like the most interesting thing at the time because again, it was just a world of like, okay, what are you training for? Well, you need this program or you need these supplements. And it's just a bunch of people putting people through exercise and gyms and all kind of doing the same thing and all after the same books and selling the same supplements and stuff like that. And then here was somebody that was basically like poo-pooing all that because it's like every individual person needs an individual prescription to become healthy. And that just blew me away. So that was my real education with Poliquin and to understand that he kind of presented the ability for me to start seeing it. And it took a long time, but I was able to start looking at people and it's like we talk about today where i'm at in the coach today i want to, to put it all together like I, I i want to help you figure out the optimal amount of training frequency you know you know and the optimal diet for you and putting it in, in it supporting your life and enhancing your life and i think that as we get going in this chapter here um from just a workout standpoint from just like, hey, I need to like really organize my my resistance training or my strength conditioning program. This to like lays out perfect guidelines of just like, okay, it's not as hardcore. It's not as let's let's talk about one more thing in this. Like, it's not as hardcore. Meaning, like, you're gonna understand that a lot of people are fueled on the feeling, and science doesn't always give you a feeling. Science is a marathon. Science is stuff that's shown over time what it can produce. So again, if you're after quick fixes and quick feelings, then you exercise. And the, 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 the ability to acquire things happens very fast, but the ability to sustain them, it's, it's not there. If you play the marathon game and you play the tortoise here and you start really understanding and lifting with intention and purpose – then that has a, a longevity in a lifetime span. Man, I just literally was thinking about this today um, and myself over some changes I've seen in myself and the time frame that's taken as I've been looking at the last eight years and, and really more closely the last four years and some of the development I've had and thinking it sort of struck me today of like, oh my gosh, like how far it's come. But how long it took that it wasn't a, and now, yeah, there's some quick gains when you're starting out, you know, that's a thing and you start to feel better pretty quickly. But in terms of, you know, the, the long-term direction, it is that 
one percent doesn't seem like a lot until four years later that those all those little one percents have added up. Gotta believe. Significant. Yep. So okay, so here's something flashback me five, six years ago, whatever. And I'm going to the YMCA. I'm gonna try to come up with a workout for myself. And I've gotten on the internet and I had at the time this belief that for some reason three sets, eight reps or three sets, 10 reps was a magic number for something. I don't even know what it is, but I think I feel like I've heard that so many times like, Oh, you do these exercises and do three by eight, three by 10. But there's so much more that goes into the actual rep scheme. And so let's start with reps yeah. and then we'll shift over to, to sets. And so, um, again, that common wisdom was that eight to 10 reps, but there's a lot that goes into that of, of what your goal is yeah. that dictate what kind of rep scheme you might want to be looking at for each set. And so help get us started on that of, What's your f- sort of philosophy based on what we're reading here, this science uh, that, that Poliquin brings us as well, looking into um, a number of different things, but starting with this, this rep idea of why, like why different rep ranges, what are we trying to do with that? So table one in this book has a relationship between maximum number of repetitions, intensity, and the training effect. Okay. So if we are at a maximum number of repetitions of one rep. So this is your one rep max. That is 100% intensity. The training effect is very relative strength increases through enhanced neural drive. So that is very nervous system-esque. As it gets in to that through here, um, you were reading chapter one last night and you were, um, you probably saw the part where they're talking about building relative strength in like a weight class sport, like a jujitsu or a boxer or a gymnast. Um, right. So what we're talking about there is I want to get stronger, but not get heavier. Mm-hmm. So getting stronger, not through development of muscle right. mass, but just through strength. Right. So on this table, as we go down one, two, three, four, five on, on repetitions, the percentage of your ability on the, on the max you know, obviously changes is going down as well. So that is changing your training effect. And so when we start getting, when we look at like the number of repetitions, one through five, and we say that's about 85% to 100% of our max. And that is more of a relative strength-esque type of thing. Okay. So there's not as much hypertrophy um, in those rep ranges. Okay. Just pure strength. Yes. Now, when you get to six, seven, and eight, we are at about 83% intensity of our one rep max down to 78, 75% intensity. And this is, uh, this is basically, this is kind of that sweet spot. It's an optional, what it says in here, training effect is an optional, optional compromise of maximal strength and hypertrophy gains. Okay. So this is a mix of I'm working strength, but also putting on yep. muscle mass. And, and if anybody six to eight rep, right? And if anybody's kind of looking at this, thinking about it, we're looking at reps basically one through twenty. Okay, so as we're at one, we are at the heaviest weight we can lift, and our effect on our body is going to be more neural strength rather than like massive slabs of muscle. Okay, if we get down into this six to twelve area. 
we can build a hell of a lot of strength and we can also build hypertrophy, like actual size through there a lot more. Now, this is all in context. There's, of course, things on every aspect of this. But now let's go even further. Let's look towards like reps 13 through 20. As everybody knows, um, and everybody's been in a gym when they're trying to get, they're trying to do their endurance, right? You've heard people like, I'm, I'm building my endurance. I'm doing 15 or 20 reps. Well, you are. You're building, you know, that's more of your, the training effect is more strength endurance gains and very lower in your hypertrophy gains. Why is it still hypertrophy gains there? Because sheer volume, okay? The one rep max earlier was very neural because it's not a lot of like breakdown. It's not tearing you down. But as we get towards that five rep, which is still in considered, you know, that's the neural strength gain plus a little side, you're in that sweet spot. That's more damage on the muscle plus at a very high intensity. So that's going to elicit a response. Um, I don't know if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, it's just a weird, it's a yin yang. And it's that's just a, the, 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 the layers to it because you can look at the reps, but you can't just look at reps because if I'm doing five reps of 25% of my maximum that I could lift. So if I'm going to do a bench press mm-hmm. and I'm going to do five reps of that to get into that true relative strength, I don't want to put on muscle. I don't, but I, but I want to increase strength. This is saying you got to get into that 85% ish of your one rep max for five reps. That puts you in that sweet spot of, this is relative strength building. Yeah. If you want to put on strength and muscle sort of combined, okay, well, no, maybe we look at 10 reps of that same exercise, but now we're looking closer to 74% of your one rep max. So less weight, more reps, that's going to put you more in the hypertrophy and strength category. Yes. Okay. But so what we're doing right now is also – in um, in the Polyquin Principles book, the, the beautiful thing is it gives two descriptions. The description we're talking about now is following the neural metabolic continuum. So the amount of weight you lift in relation to your one rep, one repetition maximum determines how much tension a muscle produces. So the number of reps you select will influence all other loading parameters, sets, speed of contractions, rest intervals, and even exercise selection. The bottom line, strength researchers have found that reps in the one to five range maximally increase strength strength with minimal gains in muscle mass, and the reps in the six to 15 range maximally increase strength through muscle mass gain. So strength is very neurological, so we're down on the lower volume, but the higher intensity, and we create neurological change. When we build bigger muscles, it doesn't mean they're stronger, but a bigger muscle has the potential to be stronger, especially when we develop neurological, you know, connection and mind muscle connection, and then we can exude that. So the other way he talks about in here is kind of auto-regulation. It's let the, let the reps dictate the weight. And this is something we were talking about earlier. It's you must periodically force yourself to use maximal voluntary contractions to get results. Maximal voluntary contractions occur when you attempt to recruit as many motor units as possible to develop force. This is a physiological basis of what is commonly referred to as the overload principle. If you do not apply overload to your muscles, 
there is no reason for your muscles to get bigger and stronger. When you plan your workouts, you should determine the desired training effect and select a repetition bracket to suit that goal. If you want to gain size, you would select a weight that enables you to complete between 6 and 12 reps. If you can only get complete 5 reps, the weight is too heavy. If you can do more than 12 reps, the weight is too light. The need to allow reps to dictate the, dictate the weight is a problem with some computerized workout programs. Most computerized programs determined what you should lift for each workout by taking a percentage of your one rep max in each exercise. Man, that, that right there is like being able to look at this. There's the science that shows us how we can follow on a one rep max continuum, but then there's the common sense and the, the human aspect that we have to also understand that there's good days and bad days and we can't live to fight these numbers. That's a very thing that happens in the powerlifting world and the strength and conditioning world. It's like, where are you actually at today? Um, and kind of going on on this a little bit, I, I think there's a, a story, the Bulgarians, the, there's a deal, the Bulgarian method of training, and they used to max out every day, okay? And a lot of people try to follow that. And a lot of Americans that, from, from my point of view, my experience that I saw drastically failed all the time including myself, the few times I tried the Bulgarian method. You know, you have a good success for a little bit, then you get banged up, you still try to push it, shit starts happening. You come to find out that these Bulgarians had multiple different style of maxes, okay? We have competitive, actual competition maxes, which that's usually for the Olympics, and shit didn't matter, but that. Then you had your, your training maxes. You had your, what, what people did in the gym, they had maybe done it on the platform in competition, but big, bigger numbers sometimes happen in the gym, you know? So they had that. And then they have your daily training max. Like what is your actual max that you can come in day in and day out for the rest of this year and physiologically hit with competency? That is your max that they were working off of. So when you really look at the Bulgarian method on a lot of successful people, you will see quality executions day in and day out. When you look the other way, you just see disaster and we're trying to force it in there. It's not literally like if I had to just kill myself today to lift this one rep right. max, it's instead, what can I consistently do that's right. a very heavy, very intense way, but and I can that's, do it. And uh, that's a perfect way to still follow a percentage program. And kind of, you know, just auto-regulate. Like if you feel today was 75% and it's uh, three sets of six reps, then and if I start to get up to that 75% and I can start to auto-regulate, going down 5% and having better quality of execution and more intramuscular contraction, as it talked about, is going to be better than just trying to stay with a certain number there. But... Overall, you have this inverse relationship between the heavier something is, the lower amount of reps you're going to be able to do. The lighter something is, the more reps you're going to be able to do, and the more reps you're going to have to be able to do to elicit a response. The interesting thing, how that kind of flows with sets and reps is the same way. Like, is it, a, is it very low repetitions? Well, then I'm going to be able to do more sets. Is it very high repetitions? Well, then I'm going to do a heck of a lot less sets. So if I'm telling you to do a double kettlebell front squat and I want you to do sets 20, like we might get 
one good set of 20 or maybe two sets of 20. That's optimal based on following scientific research. And, and we, we're going to get to that. That's in chapter one here. But um, if I'm telling you to do five reps, well, then I've got a lot more room to work with here, you know, but that also comes into play with how intense that is on that, uh, that maximal continuum, so to say. Right. So on these sets, I mean, it gets, it gets a little into the weeds and that's okay because that's what we got to do here sometimes. But that culmination there is, like you said, there's an inverse relationship between weight and reps. So lower reps, higher weight, higher reps, lower weight. It's just what you're capable of doing. But then finding that range that fits within whatever goal you're doing. Is it relative strength? You don't necessarily want to put on muscle. Is it more, I am trying to build a little bit of muscle along with getting stronger? Well, then there's sort of a rep scheme that fits within that as yeah. well as the intensity of the weight that goes yeah. along in there. How they inverse, like they work inversely together like that. It, it goes across the board on all this stuff um, because like there's going to be a time like, you know, with super compensation. Okay. We have like where we're at, we take a deload, like we're training normally. And then some weeks we got to kind of push it up a little bit and then we take that deload. So a standard thing in like strength conditioning a lot of times is like three steps up, one step back. There's a month right there. So three weeks kind of progressing up, one week deload, we kind of let the nervous system, everything rest, and then we go back at it. Maybe that next month you go up by one, two, three, four percent on those lifts, five percent, whatever it is. And that's progression. That's very slow, thought out progression. That's how it works. Now, it inversely like changes like that throughout everything. Because sometimes when we need, when we go like um, a couple, like, all right, let me let me t- take a step back. You look at all these optimal sets and reps that are out there, like Prolipian's table. Now, Poliquin doesn't mention it in here, but that's pretty much the gold, like what everybody pretty much follows. But that's just showing like the relation to how heavy the weight is, just as we talked about, is This is the optimal sets and reps. And it kind of shows a little bit above and a little bit behind because that gives you that rent, like that room to grow. So I think a lot of times, like we need to be able to look across the board on all these things, whether it's sets and reps, whether it's like the intensity and it's the total volume, all of this inversely is going to be taking steps forward and taking steps back to get optimal results. And the trick is like, how do we do them all together? Organized yeah. together over time. Exactly. So, okay. So we, when we start then building in the sets, we're looking at this load, deload reps for certain goals, intensity, but then there's a the sets on top of that. And we've already kind of talked a little bit that there's lower reps, higher sets, higher sets, lower reps. That's mm-hmm. sort of like a rule of thumb. There's a, there's obviously a lot more that goes into it than, yeah. than just that. So, but, but kind of give me your philosophy there on when you're ne- you've now got like a set scheme or a, a rep scheme that you're wanting to look at. How did the, the sets fit in? Well, the, the same way that like the inverse relationship between reps and sets. So, you know, if it's at lower reps, we are going to have much higher volume in the amount of, of being able to do more sets. When it's a, a lot higher reps, we are going to have much lower. So that pretty much inversely just kind of falls together in programming. 
you're also looking at trying to encourage and inspire people that have like, we get confused and I say this a lot and I watch people get confused. We are always striving to do the heaviest we can under the, like what our task and goal is. Right? So even if I'm trying to make you do three sets of 15 with 60 seconds rest to work on strength endurance, I'd still like you to get heaviest weight you can where you, that I'm seeing that you can control and, and do that. You know what I mean? Like carry out the outcome of that. That is what gives us that progressive overload. You know, if we're always striving to, to be as strong as we can under the tempo or under the, the reps, whatever it is. Um, and that will obviously change with how many sets and stuff. So sets also get changed. We have our basic inverse relationship where we know where things are optimal. We always start there. We pretty much always stay there. That gives me a room to, pu- to push forward just a tiny bit and then step back below optimal to kind of recoup. So we're never going you know, too far past the weeds. It's exactly like I talked about in, the, uh, in fat loss. You have your maintenance calories. Every once in a while, you need to, to add a little calories if you're trying to add some weight, but you can't add too much. The reps are going to go to shit just like your physique is going to go to shit. So you're always trying to play this marathon game of where optimal is. I got to push forward a little bit here and there, but I can't be too greedy and I got to come back. We, we stay very simple when we're picking what, what's our goal. That gives us our rep scheme, right? What's optimal in our sets in that? And let's start there and realize that in these small four, six, eight-week blocks that I can create, I can manipulate. I'll start three sets of eight, but then we could go to four to five sets to eight and then step back. It's just kind of playing around through that. But if you look at the, the textbooks, you're going to see this math is already done for you. And it's pretty easy to follow in that sense. So the thing that I, that I struggle with, right? Because when we're talking about, okay, you've got a particular reps with the intensity, basically the weight that goes along with it, particular number of sets. Then we're talking about, we've gotten into just now sort of that periodization of we're going to take a few weeks and progress. And then we're going to maybe take a step back Mm -hmm. that deloading principle so that we can progress even further. This is all like well settled science at this point, but we've got to talk about the individualization yeah. because I think this is what most of us struggle with because if I'm a bodybuilder and that's my life, I can structure my entire life around that goal of I'm going to try to bodybuild and go win competitions Mm -hmm. or whatever, but that's not always real practical for us, you know, like most of us, right? Mm -hmm. Because some of us, right? Like we also try to do jujitsu, for example. And so we're trying to work around that. Um, We're also trying to, you know, have jobs and things like that. So how do we manage that? Like this, this science and the, the rigidness of the science to some degree versus the individualization of I also have the rest of my life. I'm also trying to do sports, Mm -hmm. you know, how does that work? Is this something that you think that somebody that's like, well, if you want to progress in strength, for example, then maybe you're going to have to take a step back in these other things like your jujitsu, for example, you're going to have to lower the intensity there. If you want to focus on some things in the gym somewhere else, like how do, how do we balance that? And what do you, what do you, how do you, when you're working with your different kinds of athletes, whether it's martial arts or otherwise, 
I, I love the old science, but I try to keep everybody away from it in the sense of like, I want them to understand that like we could use five reps, 10 reps and 15 reps and we could be fine. We could pretty much program. I can work strength endurance on the 15. I can work um, some hypertrophy plus some strength on the tens and on the fives. I can work more, you know, meat, potatoes, strength. Um, in programming that, the thing I want, the thing I would want people to learn is what is the exercise? Okay, so if it's um, a dumbbell bench press, and I ask you, hey, we're gonna, we're also gonna play with one of these other scientific things. This is kind of how you can incorporate. Hey, this month, I'm gonna bench press every Monday, so I'm gonna have four workouts this month. I'm gonna do three sets of ten with a tempo, like of three seconds down, one second pause at the bottom as fast as I can on the way up and a second pause at the top. Okay. That's already, that's a five second rep. Okay. 10 reps. That's 50 second set. You can't cheat the time. So what I asked of you was a 50 second set of 10 reps. How heavy can you get or how well can you do? Maybe in the first session, it's, uh, you do 50 pounds for 10, then you do 60, then you do 70. Session two, Maybe it's 55, 65, 70. You're, it's just kind of taking math and taking notes and always kind of just pushing it a little bit and then saving these. So what I like, what I want people to do is to have, to know that they're different lifts, what they're capable of on certain things. When certain conditions were asked of them, was there a pause? Was it slower on the way, you know, lowering down? And that's the fun in exercise. Play with all that stuff. You don't have to know what it all is right now, but it's like, you know, today on every one of my bench presses, I'm going to lower it three seconds. Are you going to be the person that's going to do that on all three sets, including your warm up sets? Or are you going to be the person that when it starts to get too heavy to do that, you just execute the move faster and now your whole mind of of what you can lift under those conditions is always you know it's not reality so the most important thing is just like stay simple pick your rep range is it your 10 your 8 to 10 is it your 12 to 15 is it your 3 to 5 what's your goal then how many sets can you optimally do that's gonna you know that's in in the books that's all out there start with the optimal average basic maybe even start a little bit lower and build on it and then just play that fine slow game of every once in a while go for the pr the other times keep chipping away at where you're at every once in a while take a step back so that you can go further you know um but that's that's pretty much the simplicity of like how basic this stuff really is it really comes down to you being honest and executing quality reps inside whatever is being asked of you and that and, and that, that sort of dog tells exactly into like the next thing I was going to ask you, because you just said that the quality and this, we've, we've been talking quantity today, right? We've been talking numbers, mm -hmm. the quantitative value of sets, reps, here's sort of the science behind it. But before any of that, there's this principle of quality over quantity, quality execution. So none of, none of the, the science matters until the, the quality of execution of the movement is even competent. We that's our biggest problem. We skip these steps and we jump in all this stuff instead of like in building a 
when you're developing competency of a movement too, you are going to get results. Like it's, it's actually doing better. Maybe it's less, maybe it's not creating as much intramuscular tension that you usually felt, but it probably is on areas that weren't before. So like, I, I can never stand behind anything more strongly. And I, I never thought I would say this five years ago, but literally quality is so much more important than anything else you do. Like if, if you're somebody listening to this and, and thinking how, you know, Oh, I love reading those books. I love following those workouts and stuff. The number one thing you can do is like, make sure that you are competent and optimal and things like your joints and stuff work and things like push-ups, pull-ups, bodyweight squats, lunges. Are those things mass, like mastered? And are they, is your ability to contract and use the right muscles and stuff? Then let's start loading them down. Then let's pick goals and let's, let's stay within the construction of, of what other people have put for us from, for many years. I mean, it's very simple when we, we use it that way, but when we just start thinking that certain sets and reps are what give us the result. No, certain sets and reps provide a stimulus. It's up to us to create the environment for the optimal stimulus. Um, In that chapter, it talked about the relationship between um, on on the, the intensity of how much intramuscular contraction it had. That's a whole other conversation with this. And that's kind of what I'm talking about now. There is heavier weights can also like make you have to contract harder. Everybody knows what it'd be like to, to put a, a hunt, you know, 300 pounds on a barbell and put it on your back. Your body's going to get tight. Your feet are going to grip the floor no matter what. There's the skill in exercise that's not talked about right now in this chapter. And that's one of the main things that a guy like Poliquin um, was, was very influential on the skill, the execution. It's, what if I can use a lighter load, but I can create more stress with that lighter load? Doesn't mean that that lighter load is less superior to a heavier load. The stress, which is what changes a human, is changed. So movement, quality, and your ability to start to develop awareness and mind-muscle connection is not only what makes you what we call our basic human, our back to human. That's what you and I talk about all the time. Not only does it do that, but then it gives you the right and the ability to go in and plug and play these simple little programs that really are nothing more than basic periodization, making sure you don't just get out of the weeds and by week three, week four, they're, they're just controlling volume and stuff. So I would, I urge people to really like, you know, take steps back and realign your movement qualities and realign your ability to contract muscles like your mind muscle connection and get back into resistance training with that focus because as you read further in that book and and we'll get into more on on later episodes but you're going to start to to find out how all of that stuff psychologically plays into this as well man i think that this is a great place to start tying a bow on it because again, there's so much science behind it, but there's also a lot of simplicity to it. Like you said, start with quality, you know, you've got to be able to execute the movements. 
and understand them and execute them correctly. Once you dial that in, then you can start worrying a little bit more about what your sets are, what your reps are and figuring out, okay, what is my goal and the time that I might need to track that, do mm-hmm. a little more effort yeah. and how that's going to fit within everything. That's when you can start getting into some of those. Yeah. Um, start just, just stop adding to and just doing a bunch of stuff and thinking that that's doing like actually pick a few exercises you know pick some things that you want to take some notes on see where you're at in a certain rep range and kind of you know just take awareness of were they fast reps were they like how did you move the weight now just for a month play with that exercise and aim to progress that's that's all it really is it's when we start throwing too much stuff in. It's like, well, this didn't work. Well, it didn't work because you added 20 other things on the other side. You did way too much volume, you know, for those rep schemes. Like, it's all right there. You know why it didn't work. And I know I'm speaking to a lot of people out there who, and myself included, when I get going and I get having just start training, I'll get down those weeds of where I'm three, four weeks in. I have to start realizing, like, man, I got to, like, I'm due for a week or two of backing off here because I've just been out of control. I've just, I haven't just settled down, made sure that my, my bench squat, my press, my pull, my lunge, whatever it may be, whatever movement pattern I'm, I'm working posture and position is good. Let me stress it really well and let me move on and then aim to do better at that next time and watch the organic of like exercise and physiology actually take place. You know, that's that's the interesting thing. You can force physiology to take place. But like I said at the beginning, that is not sustainable over long term. When you grow something and you build it slowly, then you're always in the fight. Even if something goes wrong, you're still not too far out. You're kind of right back in that that position. I think that's perfect. That's beautiful. My uh, recommendation to people, because some people will listen and think, man, there's a lot. This is overwhelming. There's so much. But. Um, there's actually a, a good solution here and that's, uh, work with somebody like coach Luke who understands this has been living this life and get that help as well. Because, yeah. you know, look, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. So if you ask me a medical question, I'm going to say, you go see a doctor. So if you are really wanting to learn more about this, um, my opinion based on sort of the, my experience over the last handful of years working with coach Luke is working with somebody who understands these things, have a guide, right? Yeah. Get a guide who can help you understand these. Obviously you can read the books, those kinds of things, but having somebody who can help show you the way I think is a really valuable tool. So don't underestimate that of not yeah. having to do it on your own. If you feel like this is just so, this is too much. I don't really understand. That's okay. Like it's, over time, you can figure it out, yeah. but have a guide. Just so. having somebody sh- like look at your lifts. I mean, if you're somebody that's following a strength conditioning program and uh, you know, you could reach out to somebody and just tell them what you're doing, show them your lifts, and they're going to be a 90% of the time, it's like, slow down. You're doing, you know, we just got to kind of like get people to back off and like do it correctly. Yeah. So, Coach Luke, tell them then, as I put a plug in for you, because <laughs> it's, it's been a, uh, been good for me it's good for you too so everybody check it out coach Luke, where can they find you if they want to do that you can find me on instagram at green strength iv and you can find the website at greenstrengthhq.com um, i rec- definitely recommend you guys pick up poliquin principles it's one of my favorite books like i said once you start flipping through it it's a super easy read um, and it's very scientific too and they're fascinating 
things in there that I, I guarantee you when you guys start flipping through it for 20 minutes, you're going to, you're going to learn so much stuff and you'll be able to like help yourself immediately. Yeah. There's so much that goes in. This is literally just chapter one that talks about this. So this is that introductory. It answered so many questions I had when I was like, why a certain number of reps? I, I don't understand why. And he lays it out there. Very straightforward, very simple. Um, but it's going to get into so many other things as well. We're going to yeah. keep bringing back the Pollock principles over time uh, to bring you some more wisdom from old school Charles Pollockwin. Yes, sir. A guru of shrink. The man. So also don't forget, if you got questions that you want answered on the Green Shrink podcast, hit up Coach Luke. He gave you those details at Green Strength IV on Instagram or GreenStrengthHQ.com. Get those questions in because we want to keep having listener mailbag questions that we get in that we answer on the podcast. And we're going to keep doing that every chance we get. So check that out. Come connect with us. And thank you so much for being a part of the Green Strength community. And we will see you next time on the Green Strength podcast.